Good morning, wherever you are, and welcome to St. Michael's in the Morning, a podcast series encompassing everything from sermons and services to special audio presentations, brought to you by St. Michael's Episcopal Church in Austin, Texas. For more information or to make a donation to St. Michael's, please visit www.st-michaels.org. crowds that went ahead and followed were all shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. In the name of one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. When I was young, like many kids my age, I wanted to be like Superman. I loved his strength and his power and the great show he'd put on when putting the bad people to justice. Superman would never fail. I mean, sure, he'd pretend to be weak and helpless, but as we all know, the vulnerability, the weakness, and the suffering of Clark Kent, this was just an act because underneath was a man of steel with a mission to rescue the weak and the needy. And so I would pretend to be Superman. And yes, I wore tights and a cape under my clothes. Now, fortunately, this behavior ended when I was 17 years old. But my desire to see that great show of power, that longing for the hero who would use force and might to balance the scales and eradicate evil Well, there's still some of that alive in my heart. And I'm sure the same is true for you, for it is a very primitive and childlike reaction we have when confronted with something that is not right. We look for a hero to step in, someone to use force to make things right. And of course, this hunger for a hero who could bring justice to the people, it is also the main storyline of scripture. In fact, a pivotal moment comes when the people go to the prophet Samuel and demand a king to rule over them. The other nations, they all had a king, a charismatic, forceful, and ambitious ruler. And the Israelites, they wanted that sort of king as well. And so to Samuel's great disappointment, And to God's great sorrow, God gives the people exactly what they want. A man by the name of Saul, who was charismatic, forceful, and ambitious. And of course, what follows is a disaster. One incident after another of idolatry, scandal, and abuse. But in terms of this broader narrative in scripture, the story of the first king of Israel does raise a question that the rest of the Bible is meant to answer. And that's, well, who exactly is the true king? And most importantly, do we understand what he's like and the power he uses to heal and save and restore our world? Because clearly the people in the passion narrative we just read, they did not get this. 
because here we have the king of the world and he's nailed to a cross. He's mocked, taunted, and shamed. And what's so amazing is that it's been only one week since Jesus's triumphal entry into Jerusalem where the people met him with shouts of great joy and expectation. Why? Because they believed that in Jesus, their long-awaited king had finally arrived. Hosanna, they shout. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our ancestor David. But in the passion narrative we just heard, again, one week later, the shouts have shifted. It's not Hosanna, Hosanna, but crucify him, crucify him. Jesus, it seems, was not the king they were expecting or even the king that they wanted. Now, to be fair, a lot had changed since the days of King Saul. It's been about a thousand years, and the Jewish people had been under foreign oppression for centuries. In fact, since that time, the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Persians, the Greeks had all ruled over them, and now it was the Romans. And it seemed wrong to the Jews of Jesus' day that a foreign king would rule over them. And so they prayed for a king. They wanted a king. They expected a king, a hero, who would come in and use force to balance the scales and eradicate evil. You see, the people wanted justice. But what they lacked was an accurate perception of the real problem that plagued them. And so they had a narrow understanding of what justice is, who peace was for, and how peace would come to this earth. They saw injustice outside of themselves, but they were absolutely blind to how the roots of that injustice was alive in their own heart. And so here's the scandal and the mystery that Holy Week invites us into. Somewhere in the midst of that historical mess, when no one was looking, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords entered our world, and no one recognized him. To quote the Gospel of John, he came to what was his own, but his own did not receive him. In other words, the author of the play stepped onto the stage and aside from a handful of fishermen and maybe one of the criminals crucified next to him, no one seemed to notice. And so here's the question I think we are compelled to ask on Palm Sunday. Have we noticed? Because the good news of the Christian faith, the gospel that we are asked to recommit our lives to as we go into Holy Week, is that Jesus Christ is the true king of the world and that he died to set us free. Free from our sins, free from the childish notion that the root of injustice lives somewhere outside, outside of our own heart. And above all, free from this ridiculous idea that force or charisma or the correct ideology or any other power that doesn't flow from the cross could ever heal our world. 
Because the beauty of what we see today is that there is a power that flows from the cross, that Christ's power and his selfless service to the world, that these are one and the same. Though in the form of God, our reading from Philippians says, Jesus did not consider equality with God as something to grasp, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a slave. This, we are told today, is the only power that can heal our world. And it would be tempting, it'd be very tempting to think that the cross was an act, that God was doing something counter to God's nature just this one time because he had to in order to save us. But of course, the cross does not disguise who God is. No, the cross reveals who God is. The infinite servant, the most humble person in the entire universe, the king of kings and the lord of lords, whose great power and great humility are one and the same. And that is the king that we ask to rule over us whenever we submit our lives to God, the kind of king who washes his disciples' feet and who feels equally at home with prostitutes and criminals as he does with the righteous and the respected, Jesus is the king whose chief delight is to show mercy. Jesus is the king who willingly submitted to a violent death on a Roman cross and then begged his father to forgive the very people who arranged for that death. Jesus is the king who enters Jerusalem not in a chariot, but on a farm animal, not with an army, but with a dozen fishermen, a king whose power is revealed, not in the breaking of bones, but in the breaking of bread. And to be clear, his mission was to rescue the weak and the needy. But don't think that the weak and needy he rescued were different from the people who crucified him, or that the justice this king brings to bad people is at all different from the forgiveness he showers upon them. For our Lord Jesus Christ did not triumph over sin and death as bullets bounced harmlessly off his chest. No, he triumphed by finishing dead last in our world's competitive race. The whip of the soldiers drew real blood. The thorns pressed real flesh. The nails caused excruciating pain, and he died an actual death. Like a seed buried in the ground, the cross on the surface, it looked like a tragedy. But as our journey to Good Friday continues, we are reminded that his failure was the victory. And that by failing with us and for us, that our king has saved us from sin and death and reconciled the whole human race to himself. And so blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and blessed be God's kingdom now and forever. Amen.